Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go. Indie Game Business. It's been it's been a little bit, hasn't it? I mean, while, look how long yes. Jay's hair has gotten. This is yes, this is this is um <laughs> I mean my hair too. This is hippie Jay coming out. Uh, right, hippie Jay. Hippie <laughs> well, Jay. welcome. <laughs> uh, my name's Indy, and that's Jay Powell from Powell Group Consulting. And welcome to welcome to Indie Game Business. We want to thank Tripwire Presents for sponsoring us this whole time. It's been amazing. And I would like to introduce Dwayne Wade Jr., he's a marketing director games event at read pop and the title of today's podcast is creating an integrated marketing strategy we know how you love to hear about marketing so um and also Dwayne, if you want to unmute in the discord oh, that would yep. be awesome there we go excellent there we are so let's, let's start where we always start in the fun question uh because no one ever has the same answer to this Tell us how you originally got into the industry and then walk us through your career up to this point. Oh, man. Yeah. So I am one of those uh, born and bred, you know, marketing people. Right. So uh, did marketing activities in high school, uh, growing up here in in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where I reside now uh, through college, uh, went to college in North Carolina a little small school called Elon, where I majored in uh, marketing. And then from there, worked with a number of different agencies, started my own consultancy groups uh, in lifestyle, technology, your uh, innovation type companies. Uh, From from there, uh, we wanted to uh, move back to Pittsburgh, but I wanted to stay in the the high tech, the uh, innovative uh, industries, and something that also kind of dealt with uh, really tight knit, you know, communities and gaming, you know, definitely fits that. So whenever uh, we left uh, North Carolina for Pittsburgh, I uh, got the privilege to uh, work at Shell Games, a video game design development company in, in uh, Pittsburgh, specializing in you know virtual augmented reality, uh, interactive experiences, connected toys, uh, you know theme park attractions, like like you you name it. And uh, from there, I spent the last you know six six and a half years uh, there uh, from doing all sorts of things from uh, your advertising, your uh, influencer marketing, uh, trade show and events, uh, digital, you know, copywriting, uh, website copy, game store copy, uh, working with, you know, producers of positioning the games, working with the C-suite of positioning the studio. Uh, So a little bit of everything that deals with, you know, uh, your, you know, business to business activities, your business to consumer activities, and you know your your branding and marketing initiatives. So then, in uh, January 2023, I uh, made the the hard decision to the leave Shell Games to to come to Readpop. Uh, if you're familiar with Re- or if you're not familiar with Readpop, uh, they are one of the premier brands of the uh, event organizers for gaming and pop culture uh, in the United States for your PAX East, your PAX West, uh, your PAX Unplugged, which is mostly board games, uh, EGX in the UK. And then the comic portfolio includes uh, New York Comic Con, Emerald City Comic Con, 
Chicago Comic Con, Florida Super Con, uh, the, all the Magic Cons, uh, and uh, your Star Wars Celebration. So we do a little bit of everything well, whenever it comes to, to uh, gaming and pop culture. And so just, uh, just a couple months in, and uh, we're still... You know, uh, still getting my feet, you know, uh, wet in a little bit of everything in terms of, you know, uh, strategy, working with content, working with the teams and things of that nature. So uh, hopefully that that was the, the uh, quick route uh, that you guys wanted to hear. No, I completely forgot that you were at Elon. Were you a Phoenix or were you one of the Crusade? What was the, what were they before the Phoenix? The Crusade? Uh, they, they, they were fighting Christians. Uh, fighting yeah, Christians, so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so fighting Christians ended in uh, 2001 uh, whenever they moved to the Phoenix. And so uh, I'm a, a OA graduate, so I graduate as a Phoenix. But uh, I, I I grab some fighting Christian um, merchandise because it's a it's a hot commodity it's, now. It's retro now. I mean, that's where my wife grew up, and so I was like, "Oh, that's right, you were in yeah. Elon." I actually saw the Elon bus coming back from somewhere when I came back from ECGC yesterday. So, oh, sure, sure. Yes, awesome. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, go Phoenix. <laughs> we. We are talking about integrated, holistic marketing campaigns. We do a lot of talks on here about various aspects of marketing, but let's dive into immediately. It's like, what is intertwined when you're talking about a holistic marketing approach? What all does that entail? Yeah, so a lot, right? So, so uh, whenever you're talking about a, a holistic or integrated marketing campaign, uh, you are looking at your uh, all of your digital copy, so all of your straight up marketing, your collateral, uh, how you put your stores together. You're looking at your public relations efforts. Uh, you're looking at your uh, outbound efforts, whether it's uh, going to events, uh, advertising, any type of sales promotion, discounts to consider. Uh, whenever your game is you know, just being released, or if it's been out for a period of time and you're starting to see some slump, like how do you uh, continue the life cycle uh, for your game uh, to uh, some of the newer activities, right? Your your content marketing, working with influencers, your uh, yeah, activities uh, with you know uh, other other brands, like so co-branding, co-marketing efforts. So whenever you put all of this stuff together, all of these different bits and pieces, all of these moving parts, uh, then you can start building a, a strategy, uh, you know, for your for your games or for your studio. Uh, another thing, really quickly, uh, of how I like to look at a holistic uh, campaign is in four, you know, different areas: uh, your awareness, your consideration, uh, your you know acquisition, uh, whether it uh, getting you know people to, to buy your game or you know getting to work with other partners you know for your games or experiences that you want to create for them and then uh, any type of uh, retaining or retention strategies so whenever you look at those four different subjects you can cross all of those uh, across all those uh, activities that I mentioned before so where do you even start? You know, if, if we're looking at, and let's look at it from the sake of a premium game. So PC console, VR, because we all know that mobile is a whole different beast in and of, its, in and of itself. And so focusing on, on the premium type content, where should you start and what are the most important pieces to put together in that strategy? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. So first it's uh, deciding, you know, what, how do we describe, you know, what this game is? You know, uh, what is this game? Why would people want to play it? Why would people want to talk about it? And uh, most importantly, who are those people, right? So it's a lot of uh, research uh, up front about what exactly uh, this this game is and who is that target market that is going to uh, want to play it and then you can start formalizing start researching some questions about you know how you're going to describe it how based off of you know tests and hopefully you know research how other people are describing it uh, finding out what those discrepancies are and then uh, you know answering those discrepancies to, to put together a campaign. 
So for the last couple of days, I was down at, at the East Coast Game Conference and we were going through and I was doing pitch review sessions. So we would have teams come up and they would pitch their game and I would, you know, break down and crucify their their pitch decks. But so one of the teams comes in, it was, it was a couple of guys out of Fort Bragg, actually, and they actually had a SWAT analysis in their pitch deck. And I was like, oh, my God. But the one thing that they didn't have that you just touched on is when you're talking about understanding who is playing your game, you're talking about marketing personas, which right. are obviously very important. So walk us through real quick how you develop what a marketing persona is and then how you actually develop that as part of your strategy for marketing. Yeah, no, uh, fantastic question. So uh, just to make sure everybody's aware, I mean, whenever talking about a, a SWOT analysis, that, that's your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and, and, and threats, right? So your strengths and weaknesses are internal, your opportunities and threats are, are external. And so whenever you are trying to create a marketing persona, uh, you are trying to think about uh, who are uh, the people that are going to uh, buy this game or buy your experience or uh, the type of people who you would like to work with, right? So uh, that's both, you know, B2B or B2C. Uh, so whenever you are uh, looking to create a, a persona, uh, you're really looking first at your uh, strengths and weaknesses. Well, uh, as a company or as a game, what is this game or what are we as a studio really, really good at? And then uh, you can start developing uh, your, uh, your your target market. That is this going to uh, you know focus on you know eighteen to twenty four year olds or thirty you know twenty five to thirty four? Is this going to uh, is this price point going to be closer to your you know uh, middle income you know uh, upper middle you know uh, what what type of you know, discretionary income are they are they uh, you know, looking for uh, the type of game being played is this a game that you can quickly pick up and put down you know is this going to be a quick you know a casual game or a game that's going to take some grinding because then you start to develop uh, not just your uh, your demographics, you know, your, uh, you know, income, gender, you know, age, whatever, but now you're looking um, more specifically at those behavioral traits. So who are going to play these games? Why are they playing it? What gives them the reason uh, to play it? Why will they enjoy it? Why will they come back for more? And why would they tell, tell others? So whenever you're building that persona, you're, you can pretty much build a fake you know, person, we always call, you know, you create fun names for them, right? So uh, it could be, uh, you know, Gary the Gamer. Uh, Gary the Gamer is our target persona. You know, uh, he's between the ages of, you know, 25 to 34. Uh, he's he's a doctor, so he doesn't have too much time. But whenever he, you know, plays at night, he likes you know, going together with, uh, with the other uh, with his other friends so we're creating this multiplayer experience that's a little bit pricey uh because of the the gameplay but this is our person right so whenever you uh, can build what that persona is you can have that intelligent conversation at a pitch deck discussion with you know uh somebody like jay to say like here's our target here is why and this is why this game speaks to them I always like to think of marketing personas as that nice little combination of a D&D &D character sheet and then the intros that you see for these couples on House Hunters where they're like, hi, <laughs> I'm a yes. part-time school teacher and my husband is a painter and we have a budget of $3 million for a house. And you're like, that, that's not, yep. no. But I mean, that's <laughs> basically it. You're making fake people and explaining. And it's so helpful because then you can sit down and say, okay, is Gary the Gamer who's 46 on Facebook? do i need right. to be promoting there or are they on wherever else um but it is if you want to make me smile during a pitch presentation show up with a swot analysis and then bonus points if you bring in marketing personas because if nothing else it shows publishers and investors that you're thinking about this stuff yes so, and and it grounds you right it grounds you so you're not it's like oh wait yeah should we be should we be using pinterest shuffles should we be using you know, the, the the new lemonade to get together like, well why is your audience there like who's going to be that that cares about your game so you know whenever you look at the personas like no would that person 
you know, bees, you know, scrolling, you know, Instagram, you know, stories, you know, looking for stuff, or are they going to be on YouTube watching their favorite content creator play these type of games? It gives you a better idea of uh, how you build you know, this, this strategy, you know, to, uh, you know, promote your game or your studio. It, it helps really narrow it down. And let me look directly into the camera and say this because <laughs> the market for your game is not everybody that that doesn't exist it's it's specific types of people um exactly right. it, it's a it's a always it's that you know, old uh uh saying that if you're if your products for everyone is for no one right yes. so you gotta gotta uh, have a target you, you gotta figure that part out so we, we can touch on why do you need to consider advertising that was one of our questions but i think a lot of us understand well majority of us understand that you can't just flat out release something anymore and and the whole if it's a great game it will sell that doesn't happen doesn't happen doesn't yeah um so but when you're putting together a budget and so you know we look at a lot of teams and they have an idea of what they want to do for marketing but they're going to go get a publisher or especially in the case of VR, where you've done a lot of work as well, there aren't a lot of VR publishers. So a lot of these VR teams end up having to self-publish. Mm -hmm. How much should you be looking to spend? Do you have to spend a ton of money on this? Or, or what does a realistic plan budget look like? Yeah, no, that, that, that's a great question. So what's interesting with a gaming community uh, like VR, uh, it's still it's still young. Uh, it's growing very rapidly. So uh, what's what's interesting is that games that have uh, come out years ago, especially the the really good ones, uh, they get a bump in their life cycle uh, as you know uh, new games are released, new hardware uh, is released because uh, it's you know it's. VR is still growing into that, you know, uh, early majority phase of um, of uh, product adoption, right? So there's a product adoption cycle uh, that has your early adopters, early majority, late majority, and then in laggards, right? Uh, for uh, just like a, a quick capsule of what that looks like. And so VR is still very much maybe even in the middle of that early majority phase. And so... Uh, going back to what I said before about those four pillars, uh, awareness, consideration, uh, acquisition, and then retention, uh, it really, I, I know people hate this, they hear this, but it really depends on what uh, your uh, life cycle is for, for your game. So uh, if you're just in VR, if you're just uh, just launching your game, you're going to spend a lot of your budget on you know, awareness and consideration. Uh, why is that? So uh, whenever I was at, you know, show games, I always made the argument that whenever we're uh, selling one game, we're also at a, a big event like a PAX or something. Uh, we're not just only promoting the game, but we may also be promoting the hardware, right? So you know, this uh, barrier to entry is not a $24.99 you know, experience. It actually now is a three hundred and forty-six ninety-nine uh, encounter because these people might have to buy the hardware to get the software. So it becomes a much more valuable conversation whenever you think of it that way. And so the awareness and consideration uh, aspect of your marketing budget is going to be extremely valuable because of being because of where we are in the uh, product adoption cycle. Now, as you know, your game matures and you're, you're building an audience uh, within it, now you could move uh, more intelligently and more strategically into uh, acquisition and uh, retention. So once they buy your game, how do they stay? Why do they stay? Are you giving them a reason to stay? Are you building a community? Are you, uh, you know, giving out supporting merch? So there, there are additional uh, considerations uh, for you to you know, make a decision on. And then for, yeah, so for, yeah, that's both the acquisition and retention. So whatever you're looking at, what a marketing budget may look like, uh, it 
it, it is a matter of what channels uh, you are going to be targeting. Um, you know, your Google ads uh, are going to have a you know, lower type of CPC or cost per acquisition uh, than uh, some of the uh, you know other uh, networks. Uh, you know, Facebook, Instagram can get you know pricey from time to time depending on the season. Uh, your launch windows, everything goes up uh, in price uh, for your you know, cost per clicks or cost per acquisition. Um, you know, it's still you know dependent on uh yeah timing uh the type of game the type of audience you're you're uh targeting just like what jay and i were talking about before uh the the more strategic you are with your target market the more uh defined your target market is you're going to be able to spend your marketing dollars smarter and so looking at those four different categories of awareness, consideration, acquisition, retention, you could divide uh, your budget. You know, if you just throw out a number, if you have, you know, uh, 50,000, you know, dollars for a marketing budget, you know, you can see, okay, well, out of these four, which ones are more important to me right now? And then from there, uh, define what your key performance indicators are. Like, what does a good ROI look like if it's going to be awareness and consideration? Well, then, you know, that's your uh, views, your store views, your web views, your uh, wish lists, and, and things of that nature. And then whenever you go to acquisition, obviously, it's people downloading the game. And then retention, you know, the, the average play time, the, the share of voice uh, across, you know, digital uh, and, and your... Uh, PR efforts, how often, you know, creators and uh, outlets are, you know, talking about a review in your game. And so uh, that is a very long-winded answer that it depends. Uh, it depends on uh, what your uh, return on, what you want your return to be uh, for your promotional efforts. Uh, for VR, some of those higher profile games, because of a saturated market, you're going to spend a lot. Uh, up front for your awareness and consideration. But then as the promotion cycle moves, uh, you can uh, dedicate you know, dollars to your acquisition and retention. And it's not just a, a linear progress or a linear progression. Uh, like I said, some of the older games in the VR industry are getting a little bit of a, of a bump because of more people coming into the market. So you may want to you know, refresh uh, some of your older games that go back into that awareness and consideration phase, uh, doing some co-branding efforts, uh, getting your games into bundles so more people can uh, find out you know, where, you know, what those games are. And you know, if you're partnering with a new game that they're interested in, uh, you're helping them with that discoverability of that experience. All right. So I have two questions that came out of that. Yeah. One. So if we're looking at a premium game and I've got my, my PC, my VR game, whatever it is, it's launched on steam. I've got people to buy it. Why am I worried about a retention marketing? Yeah. So it is uh, across the, uh, any type of industry. Uh, it is uh, much easier to uh, retain a customer uh, than to get a new one, right? Uh, the, your your costs uh, for getting a new uh, customer is always going to be higher than trying to get a new one. So you want to retain uh, your customers. Well, I guess it depends on your you know, business philosophy. Uh, what I always think about of retaining and getting people to routinely come back to a game uh, it helps with uh, your you know life support games, your games as a service. That's kind of what I uh, are, are you know thinking about uh, in terms of a retention strategy of getting people to come back to uh, you know buy merchandise, uh, buy you know uh, character clothes, or buy you know uh, different types of DLC uh, for that because the the margin of uh, you know profit or the margin uh, for that can. The, the lifetime value, we finally found that word, uh, that lifetime value for the person who stays with your games or the other games that you put out uh, is going to uh, improve over time versus constantly looking for a new you know, person where you'll, you'll see some uh, diminishing returns as you continue to spend on your marketing. And so for a retention strategy for your, uh, for your 
players is important as you put out more games, uh, as you uh, develop more into your game, if a life support game or a games as a service is a model that you're that you're interested in. And that's what, mo that. more of what I was looking forward to. So sorry, Jay. No, 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 no. I love that answer because it, it bleeds into two things that are becoming bigger and bigger now and, and why developers need to be supporting these and, and encouraging this. But it's one with the mod community and one with user generated content, which is, you know, somewhat the same, but not always the same. But sure. those are a lot of times major reasons why people come back to games, even if the developer hasn't had a update or a you know dlc or something like that building on and encouraging and promoting your own mod community that's a fantastic way tell us the reason i'm still playing skyrim after 10 12 years or whatever it's at at this point but i mean that's exactly right and that's the type of retention that people don't typically think of Mm -hmm. But it's it's very important. All right. So my next question was, you mentioned Google ads. And I think Google ads for games get overlooked a lot because it's seen as like too general. You know, am I going to be showing up in an ad next to the local hardware store that wants to sell me a weed eater? How effective versus some of the other social media options out there are Google ads compared to everything else? Oh man. I mean, the, the, they are effective because you, there are businesses where, you know, you're huge marketing teams, right? Where what people do every day is just work on Google ads, right? So there, you can go down such a rabbit hole and a good one, a good rabbit hole, mind you, of, um, a comprehensive, uh, intricate you know campaign for your google ad so for example uh, let's say that you can do uh three different campaigns uh with google uh you go you'll do search uh you'll do a discover uh campaign which is a type of uh campaign that you could do in google and a uh, performance max Okay, uh, performance max is one of the newer uh you know avid uh, inventory um uh, in Google ads, you run search, uh, because no matter, well, you put in your audience and if you have a, you know, newsletter, uh, if you have, you know, some, uh, emails or some type of information that you are allowed to use, right. We're talking about privacy and GDPR and all that fun stuff. So if you have that first party or zero party data that you're able to upload, uh, you can, uh, target to a uh, to a, a minimum spec of, of that person uh, in terms of you know uh, or that cohort of uh, what their interests are uh, what their affinity groups are what their buying habits are uh, and using search anybody who uh, interacts with a search campaign or uh, is impressed upon a, a search campaign automatically then gets fed, into the audience for your uh, Discover and your Performance Max campaigns. So if you're uh, if you're going to do any campaign on Google Ads, always have a search one. And search can be as little as you know fifteen twenty dollars a month. Like you could put in your your minimum spend as long as the search is going to get impressions the people who are uh, interacting with that search will get fed into those other audiences. So that's really important to know because the tools that Google puts out work together. Now your Discover, uh, your Discover can go on your uh, you have different websites, the, the, the uh, Google uh, ad network and YouTube. So then if you're working with content creators, you're actually uh, able to pinpoint the type of uh, YouTube channels that you can uh, put ads on. And uh, those who are watching, you know, those content creators, hopefully people who you're working with or you know that they are watching, uh, then you get that that extra dose. So now you have search, now you have discover. And now performance max is super interesting because now it's that machine learning uh, algorithm uh, or that machine learning uh, activity that Google says, you know, uh, give us your, you know, uh, your minimum spend, your maximum spend and your uh, max uh, cost per click. 
and we will do the work for you. The magic is uh, behind doors, so you don't know exactly how we're finding these people, but you're going to get some crazy good results. So whenever you're having those three tools work together, uh, you're going to have uh, some uh, pretty impressive numbers uh, as long, again, as you're targeting uh, the, the right audience, you're using the data uh, at a, uh, uh, a good, efficient, you know, intelligent manner. Uh, it, it's it's going to be very beneficial for you to do that. Are you looking for a publisher for your game? Well, we have something special just for you. It's the most comprehensive listing of PC, console, and mobile publishers in the industry. Over 700 companies sorted by platform with links to their websites. You can get the list at www.powellgroupconsulting.com slash publisher dash list. And you can get it for free. Check it out. has the best answers for everything <laughs> this is why i love this um all right so let's jump real quick to a, a very important situation now because we are hopefully out of pandemic world and live events have been coming back for the last year we're basically in year two of everything coming back they get expensive Obviously, yes. especially with, especially since we haven't had to spend anything on them in like several years. You know, you're right. talking, you know, if you're going to go out to GDC, even if you don't get a booth, if you just want a all access pass, by the time you figure in flights, hotels, I mean, you look at seven, ten thousand dollars And that's right. If you're coming from the U.S. So how do you qualify and quantify which events around the world you should be going to since there's basically one a week somewhere? Yeah. Uh, again, great question. And it uh, all depends on your strategy. Uh, if your you know, strategy is that, you know, uh, you're looking for uh, to get in front in, of your consumers, right? You want to get in front of the players. Well, then you're going to, uh, do some back-end research, you know, uh, who are the people playing your game? Who are the people visiting your sites? Who are the people uh, interacting with you on social? Well, where are your content creators? If you're using a uh, content creator like management system, uh, you can see uh, where their audiences are. And so uh, now you can kind of figure out a loose footprint of where your players are. From there, you can then look at, you know, these uh, events. Are they going to be in the U.S., you know, West Coast, East Coast, uh, South, you know, uh, or, you know, North or South America? Are they mostly in uh, in Canada? Are they, you know, South America? Are they in Europe? So then looking at those events, okay, well, you know, is this one going to be more dev focus or is this one more mobile focus? Is this one more, you know, B2C? Is this one more salesy? Uh, or is this one more uh, get your hands on and play because the the experience of the event itself is very important and then from there you can uh, start looking at costs it was like okay well here are those you know, events uh, in you know all of that criteria uh, that fit now we're crunching costs uh, and from the cost you could then uh, look at well, here are our goals for going to this event. If it's going to be a hands-on event, uh, we want, you know, in a three-day period, we want, you know, uh, 400 people to play our game. Okay, well, if it's going to cost this and it's 400 people, we're looking at a, you know, cost per play of X, right? So now you're actually to put, you know, cost amounts like is, you know, uh, is 30 bucks per demo, uh, in terms of your cost, your, your cost-based pricing, uh, does that make sense to go to that event, right? Uh, in some cases, it might. 
because yeah, of the the visibility, uh, the, the the joy of seeing people going to events and those people telling others. Now you could put a value up that uh, that share a voice. Well, if this person you know costs thirty bucks, you know the you know as a as a cost per play, but you know their share of voice is you know four thousand people. Okay, well now we can kind of multiply that that share of voice is kind of hundred and twenty ish thousand dollars, you know, in terms of cost based pricing because they played it and they're sharing it to others who are going to rely on their their voice. That might make sense. So now you're able to you know loosely you know put some relationships uh, between the cost of the event and what your uh, you know key performance indicators are like, like the, the numbers like if you want playthroughs if you want interviews it was like okay well based on our cost-based pricing if we get five interviews that's 200 bucks per interview okay that might make sense based on what we're spending on pr so you're able to to create these cost tables so you can make an intelligent decision of going to or not going to you know x number of events so one of the questions that apparently I have a new keyboard and everybody in the world just heard me type all this stuff in um, the, the benefits of dumping your coffee into your keyboard during the last conference. Um, <laughs> all right. So from our discord, it's like, I know some of us target gamers and others are more business-like. Are there good ones that do both or do I need to pick and choose which ones I go to? There are, there are some, yeah, long live the coffee keyboard. Yeah, uh, there there are some that do both. Um, and for for example, uh, Gamescom uh, does both in in Cologne, Germany. Right? They have a B two B section. Uh, they have a B two C section. B two B started starts early, uh, interlaps with B two C, and then you have. Uh, BDC. You could have presences in both, or if you have uh, one, if you have one in the other, you know, you're able to to go back and forth uh, as an exhibitor and maybe have meetings in the B2B area without having a booth uh, and then having a booth in your in your B2, B2C area. Uh, there are uh, even some smaller ones. Um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of uh, GDEX uh, that happens, uh, that coincides with uh, Origins now in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, they do they do both, uh, where your uh, B2C you know, stuff, or your B2C and education stuff is uh, during the day, uh, but then you have some industry nights and some uh, events that are uh, real B2B specific. Uh, after you know the the show that you could you know have meetings and and talk. So uh, my recommendation would be if you're you are able to curate your experience at these events. So if something is B two C related, you know those you know uh, speakers panels you know are going to be interested in talking industry, right? I mean we we've all gone to B two C things. And have been drained. You just love all the talking to our consumers and players, which is fun and rewarding. But it's also nice to be able to, to talk shop from time to time, and you could create those experiences. So uh, just because the framing uh, might not be there for both, doesn't mean that you can't have both. It's just take it might just take some more initiative than others to, to get that that dual experience. So I adore. Gamescom. It, it, it is my favorite. If someone told me I could only go to one conference for the rest of my life, it would be Gamescom because I love Cologne. And then you, you do, they, they've done such a good job for years of those, uh, us business people can have our little spot where it's somewhat quiet and you can right. have a meeting. And then the hordes of fans come in like up to 300,000 people a year come in for the the consumer side and the best part is if you're going for business always block off about half of your day on wednesday because that's the day that they let the business people into the consumer section right before the consumers get there and so you can actually walk around and, and enjoy stuff but i've never been to gdex i should probably look into that one because that's one i've actually 
never been in never been there um yeah it's great i think it's in their their seventh year it started from the uh by the the multivarious group and yeah they they do a great job it's it's a fun one i recommend it i'm gonna check that out sorry so the next step from that is there is there a benefit to is there a benefit to digital events? Of course, I'm going to say there's a, a benefit to digital events. <laughs> yeah. I've run 14 of them. Um, <laughs> what about hybrid events? You know, what are the disadvantages when it comes to you know digital events and then the hybrid events that are trying to do both? Who? Well, one um, based off of uh, industry uh, research is that uh, people aren't that big a fan of hybrid. Uh, they uh, they, as in uh, consumers or, uh, you know, event attendees, uh, the the rate of uh, FOMO, uh, fear of missing out, is, is high enough that there are stronger uh, disapproval marks for hybrid than there are for purely digital and purely physical. And that one is fascinating, right? Uh, because you would think that to have a you know digital and physical part you know would make sense because you're you know getting as many audience members as you can. But uh, as we were talking, you know, before the stream, you know, having a product for everyone is having a product for no one, and so hybrid kind of uh, fits that gap. That you know there are some digital moments that make sense like for uh for packs for uh for example we have you know, do some of our keynotes uh we stream some of those and uh for packs arena like the esports stuff we stream uh, just because the audience is there and it makes sense like that's something that you know uh the esports community is used to and uh for keynotes keynotes are used to uh having a, a digital and physical part as well but um you know on on the flip side those audiences are uh, that's what they want to tune in for you know they're not going to do the exhibit floor they're not going to do the meet and greets and that's where you know for uh for read pop in those packs events that's where like the that the life is right and so you know we're not going to do some live stream of the you know exhibit floor or have a digital portion of the exhibit floor because it doesn't uh quite match the the fans expectations and so whenever you're looking at a hybrid yeah, it's it's uh, fascinating. I'll I'll try to find that that report so you can you can put that out on on the the Discord. Uh, it was a I think e event insider or event industry something that that yeah like either you know put a line in the sand that you're gonna do just digital or or uh, just physical with some uh, minor components being you know digital because hybrid uh, is not. Uh, it is not the clearest path forward as we anticipated coming out of the pandemic. It is. So, so from my experience on the consumer side, it's like what, what you all do with PAX is one thing. It's like being able to stream content out to you know people who aren't able to make it or who are on the other side of the world or who are just very interested or whatever. That's one thing and that's fine. It's the situation where a lot of these conferences try to say, okay, we're going to do like meeting systems and B2B stuff that's, we're going to be live and digital. The problem is you can't sit in these conference centers and have a quiet conversation meeting right. over a laptop or a phone and then the wireless doesn't work and then all the other you know issues that come out of, of conferences it's it's i have i have yet to see a business to business hybrid event be effective the the few times i tried it i ended up by the third meeting just sending everybody i had as a as a online meeting a note saying here's my calendar let's do this next week because it's just it's so next to impossible um it's right, tough. So yeah we've got another question from the discord what can game dev focused conventions do to improve their value for developers who have to travel to attend oh man that is a question that uh, we are actively uh tackling right like how how do we provide more 
value to studios? How do we provide more value to developers that that not only do they consider uh, you know coming to their events that it becomes a no brainer, right? In, in that consideration set, it was like, well, yeah, of course we're going to go to you know the Paxes and not just you know West. We're also going to do East, and we might even do a uh, Comic Con, or we might even do you know uh, GDX, or we'll do the the Gamescom. Pax West, you know, gauntlet of going, you know, back to back weeks. People did it, and it is. Oh, I know a, they did. I, I think uh, they're I crazy. But. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think uh, there is there is a lot to do. Uh, we have a lot of great ideas of uh, what to do in terms of uh, creating. Uh, more cohesive uh, programs for them to meet with creators, uh, I think is very important in terms of the relationships uh, with their games and uh, discoverability and uh, just, uh, you know, uh, visibility of, of of their games, of the event, and uh, increased value for the creators as well. Uh, definitely working on that. Uh, networking opportunities, uh, I think in the next couple years, and we're already seeing it, excuse me, that uh, co-branding and uh, the collaborations between studios is going to to grow. And uh, so trying to figure out if there are or what type of programs or activities uh, make sense. You know, the, I know uh, uh, my girl, uh, Amy Allison, she's fantastic. You know, just, you know, if, if she comes to me, it's like, well, I really want to do, you know, packs, but it doesn't make sense for us to show, you know, game X there because it's already out or it's not ready yet. It's like, well, what if, you know, I can introduce you to studio A, B, or C that, you know, after two or three months after, you know, game X is released, you guys might be able to bundle together. And now you have, you know, a face-to-face person that you uh, have talked to. It's like, well, that might make a lot more sense, right? So you turn it into not just a, a demo possibility, but a, a collaboration piece and a, a business meeting that you know may not have been visible to you know to her or the the, the Amy's of the world uh, before. So being a catalyst uh, of you know business activity uh, versus a activity in general. If that makes sense, uh, yeah. How do we make sure that we accelerate uh, the promotions of the games or the the studio activity instead of you know uh, being one step in that process? So, and Marioki. And Marioki. <laughs> So if, if anyone out there does not know what Marioki is, I will admit I didn't know until last year when I was at Nordic and oh my God, it is awesome. There is a, a, a guy or a team or whatever who has taken, it's karaoke, but it's done in a big room of your peers who are cheering you on and they've taken regular songs, but replaced all the lyrics with things pertaining to video games. And so half of the enjoyment is singing along with, with whoever's on stage. And the other half is trying to figure out which game that song is actually talking about. And it is, oh my God, so fun. And I highly recommend it for every event ever. Um, but touching on you know those face-to-face meetings, I think a lot of times too, developers or, or folks who haven't done a lot of conferences don't necessarily realize how few meetings it takes to justify a conference because it's like every year I, and this year I was absolutely a hundred percent set on the fact that this was going to be my last UDC ever because it's just San Francisco. But the, (laughs) I come out of it and, you know, we've got two or three different new clients lined up. So even if you're spending, you know, five, 10 grand on a conference to get there, you really only need one, sometimes two deals to come out of that and you're way in the black. And so it is, it's one of those things that you always have to keep in mind, but you also have to track it too. You know, it's like, you need to make sure when you're going to these events, you're archiving, okay, 
I spoke to this team or this person and this partnership or this collaboration or this deal came out of it. That way, when you look back the next year at going to GDC and you're like, I am not going to that show again, you're like, oh, crap. You know, we got yeah. like a whole bunch of, of deals out of it. And so, yeah. right. Well, and also, too, I'll say um, there's also that um, there's also those uh, activities or those uh, that perspective that's hard to, to quantify. Right. Let's say you go to these shows, you know, every year. And then for the next two, you don't. They'd be like, oh, well, I wanted to talk to so-and-so, but I haven't seen them in two events. I wonder, let me just talk to somebody else because I don't know if they might they might not be in a position anymore in which they want, once were, right? So th there's perspective too, right? That it, it might just be worth it to go because, you know, as the social scene sometimes says, it's better to be seen than not. So I, I think we that there is... What's we up? would call it waving the flag. That's it. You have to go to the event, even if you don't need anything, just to wave the flag and let people know that you're still alive. That's and it. That is absolutely. And, and, that, and that's more important than what people think as well. Yeah, it, it really is. Because it, it, it's like a lot of it comes down to obviously the meetings that you're booking, but also, you know, some of these chance encounters. And I will still say to this day, do not book a conference solely hoping you're going to have a chance encounter that's going to make your company you need to as, as amy just said you need to be planning and preparing for these events six months in advance to maximize the efforts yes as much yeah. as i hate to see that yes you're well, right and, yeah and, and to, to go deeper into that uh you know not just talking to to other uh studios or other developers like talk to the event organizers like we're not that far away. Like, talk to us. Like, yeah, email. Like, just you know, uh, as much as you know, you think we pester you to come to our events. Like, we want you to to, to come. There's like, well, hey, we're we're working on a strategy. Is it you know what's going on here that's worth us you know coming and and we'll talk. Like our our sales team you know wants to hear like you know what are your strategies? What are your questions? What are your concerns? So we could build experiences that are worthwhile for you, right? Because it's not just uh, it's not just the the fans. Obviously the fans are incredibly important, but the fans will come if you do. Right. Yeah. And, and so how do we make sure that it's a win win for the studios and, and games that they're showcasing and the people who are going to be there for those games on a B2B or B2C level? We want to hear that. So do do not be afraid. It's like, well, are they really going to talk to us? Blah, blah. It's like, oh, no, we'll respond. And, you know, uh, and if you know, I guarantee you, if you reach out, you will get a response back. Uh, and, and Amy's other tip, which is also a, a really good one too, uh, supporting and sponsoring a nonprofit mixer is a good way to participate adjacent to an event. So there's, and there's things to do typically, at least once these events get to a midsize or bigger, that they may not be specifically at the event or part of the official event, but there's things going on around as well right. that you need to keep in. And, and so speaking to the whole talk to the event organizers, even before we started running the indie game business stuff, we had been brought in to consult on several events over the years. And event organizers, no matter how big, no matter how small, always have the same issue. It's like, how are we going to get, it's this gigantic chicken and egg thing. If we're doing consumers, we have to have games and companies that they want to see. If we're doing business to business, we have to have publishers for the developers to meet with, but the developers aren't going to show up unless they know there's going to be publishers, but the publishers aren't going to show up unless there's going to be developers. And so it becomes this whole thing. And so by yes, exactly. Engaging with the event organizers and saying, Hey, this is the type of stuff that we need. This is the type of stuff that we're looking for. You can really, really help your help your chances there. That's it. Yeah. Just be proactive. It's like, oh, well, I wonder if they're going to do this. Well, ask, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, you, you never know. Um, you never know.
All right, so we've got about five, 10 more minutes. If you've got questions about marketing strategies, I know we've, we've gone way off the deep end on conferences here, but whatever. Um, if you've got questions about holistic integrated marketing strategy and how to bring everything together, pop them in chat. Let's real quick jump to content creators. How do you compensate them, especially on newer platforms? Because I learned about one this week. Pick, is that a new, I, I just learned, literally just learned about this thing. Um, but how, especially when you're looking at newer platforms, how do you go about uh, compensating creators or at least knowing how much you may need to compensate them? Yeah, no, great question. Um, for uh, for many folks who are you know, already working with uh, content creators, one thing to realize. Well, no, let me let me start. Let me step back up. Uh, it's still the wild, wild west, right? With working with content creators and uh, looking at costs and compensation, and so uh, they, the content creators, will throw numbers at you, seeing you know, what, what you like, what you don't like. Uh, there are uh, brands and studios that throw, you know, costs out to, to content creators to see what they'll take. Uh, some are, yeah, it, it's a wide spectrum out there. So what I like to do, uh, I like looking at uh, what our you know, previous spend has been, as well as looking at different research reports uh, for, for the game industry. Uh, in comparison to the the D2C, so the direct-to-consumer uh, you know, content creator you know, industry, we tend to uh, trend about 20 to 30% lower uh, than the D2C group. So, for example, if a content creator uh, for you know, a fashion D2C brand is getting three to four hundred uh, bucks per you know Instagram post uh, to do the same around gaming. You know, will trend on average to be uh, twenty to thirty percent lower than that. And so, uh, going with that benchmark, you can then start looking at like, okay, well, general gaming is going to be uh, more expensive than your 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 niche like your your vr for example uh because there are less creators uh there's there's fewer content and so those uh vr creators are going to be even uh lesser than the d to c and you know again about 15 to 20 percent less than your general gaming folks and so looking at uh, looking at that benchmark and extending it out across your platforms, now you can look at okay, well, which platforms are more important to us? Oh, kick. Okay, yeah, I, I was you said I kick. was close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kick is the that that uh, Twitch alternative. Yeah, very very interesting stuff. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. So uh, now you're looking at what channels are more important to you. Uh, so maybe, you know, TikTok is going to be a priority. Well, now across the platforms, you can uh, choose to do some type of, you know, premium costing, you know, for you or premium pricing for TikTok uh, versus the rest of the channels. I know uh, me personally, I tend to value uh, YouTube creators uh, or the, the YouTube content uh, more than others because it seems to be, more transferable across you know all the platforms versus just TikTok or just Instagram or just you know uh you know whatever plethora of, of platforms are out there. Uh another thing that I like to do is to uh so working with them trying to figure out what they like to do uh if they're if they just want to play your game you know and you're just doing discoverability purposes you know you could shoot a key over and, and uh, wish for the best, but the the best type of content creator programs are going to be those long-term deals, uh, long-term meaning, you know, minimum six to eight months. Uh, you can, yeah, I've, I've been seeing some, you know, multi-year deals too, which is really exciting to see uh, for creators, but, you know, a long-term 
uh, for both parties will look at, you know, six to eight months just because of a, the promotion cycle for games. And uh, that itself may have a deal. There may be some, you know, freebies in there, but the deal itself of, you know, having kind of like a retainer for the creator to put out X amount of content, you know, a month across X amount of platforms. And there you can kind of develop uh, what that relationship looks like versus the cost per uh, channel. Because then whenever you're looking at creating that long-term uh, relationship, that lifetime value goes up a lot more of the, the content per uh, channel. Uh, you'll see better content uh, because now the creator uh, is not you know looking for that paycheck or we're waiting for that paycheck. They're now just creating the content that pleases the brand or pleases uh, the game and pleases its audience or their audience, uh, which is that's at number one because a, a delighted audience watching uh, a game is going to create uh, that positive halo effect for everybody involved. And so uh, whenever you do those long-term deals, now it's not a, you know, pick and play per, which on you know, the long-term is going to be more expensive for you. And uh, that return won't be there. So the follow-up is from Discord. In a long-term live service game, is there a normal amount or percentage to pay creators per click on a referral link to join the game? And does it change if they are a free player versus a paying player since the free player doesn't bring any revenue? So I have not seen a normal amount of percentage, but it doesn't mean that there isn't one out there. Um, I know for uh, while I was at Show Games, we used uh, a Grin as a content creator uh, management platform, and the their standard because they did a lot of D 2 C as well was you know hovering uh, between five to ten percent. Um, not to say that that's right or wrong or high or low. That just seems where where the numbers uh, landed. But uh, I would. The best thing to do is to create uh, the type of two-way relationship with your creators. And so if uh, you are able to you know, create a process as your studio, as, as your company, like, hey, you know, our typical, you know, you could start low at 5% and then you can create an ambassador program for those who are going to put out more content or sending out more referral links that and those links are getting clicked and you're, you see acquisition happening. That was like, well, Hey, as one of our, you know, higher uh, referral creators, you're now an ambassador and guess what? Your referral, you know, percentage goes up from 5% to 8%. And now that's rewarding, you know, the creator. And now the creator is just going to do more right so you you're creating uh that cascading effect of getting uh folks in uh to your program and you know the word will come out the word always gets out because content creators all talk to each other uh you know in the vr community is very close-knit they all talk to each other and we all know it uh same with the gaming community uh overall in, in general as well that you know you have this type of program that rewards based off of you know, uh, performance and that you have that two-way communication, you know, it, it's just going to, to, uh, snowball. So if you have the resources to make sure you can keep up with that snowballing effect, that that would be fantastic, but that would be my advice. I wouldn't, uh, worry too much about what the industry standards are. I would see what makes best sense for you and what makes the most sense with the creators in which you employ to create a beneficial relationship uh, that you're able to scale. And it's going to vary. Maybe you're willing to give up more to get more people soon. It's, I mean, yeah, having that one that builds to what you need, that's the thing. It, it, it's, that's the it, thing. Yep. Everybody, it's like, what's a good publishing deal? Well, the one that gets your game to market and everybody makes money. Not that's the it. one, yep. there's no like set number. Dwight, this has been fantastic. I greatly appreciate you. And, and Peb says from one, I don't know how to say that, Ginzer to another? Ginzer, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, Pittsburgh uh, has its own language. And uh, ah. you, 
They call themselves Yenzers. Yep. Got it. Well, all right. This is this is your life. chance here. So, what have you got to plug? What do you want to What do you want to promote? What's coming up from from Read Pop? Man, I mean, I, I've just been excited uh, to to be a part of uh, Read Pop and the, the community. I mean, being with Shell Games, I've been to uh, I think close to ten PAXs. Um, yeah, I've been to all sorts of different events, but there's just something. Uh, the way that you know Repop puts on an event and uh, gathers the gaming community to, together, uh, I've just been uh, thrilled to to you know uh, still be on the sidelines a little bit as you know we figured as they ramp me up uh, to you know what I'm going to be doing, uh, talking to creators, talking to studios. Uh, PAX East was an absolute blast of you know just to show that events are back uh, is, is super exciting. And that uh, to let everybody know that you know Repop really cares. Uh, you know, it, it is where fans come first, but they come first because uh, of the all the games and experiences that you wonderful people do. And to you know, be a curator of awesome content uh, to see people be delighted with your work like that that makes me happy every day. So uh, thrilled to be here and thrilled to, to be able to, you know, to continue to be an advocate for the gaming community. Well, we greatly appreciate you. And, and if anyone has further questions on marketing, Dwayne is on our discord, just go to discord.gg slash indie game business. And then Dan, my play us out here. Thanks so much, Dwayne. That was just an awesome talk. It's super interesting. Thank you again, Tripwire Presents, for sponsoring Indie Game Business. And thank you all for hanging out and asking all the questions. Thank you in Discord uh, that's hanging out in the live podcast stage. If you're not on our Discord, you definitely want to be. We've got thousands of amazing game industry folk in there. It's discord.gg slash Indie Game Business. And we have some amazing stuff next week. So we're excited for you guys. And there's Paul at Dervanius. I am glad that uh, you found us, Paul, and that you finally found us. That's amazing. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see everybody next week. Yes. Bye. <laughs>